We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I am your host, Dave on the Co. I'm joined, of course, by the OG Travis May himself. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find me at StayFunLaCo. We're really excited to bring you this uh, episode today where we are looking at the upcoming NFL draft, but more from a kind of fantasy football lens because we are a Rotoviz radio podcast. But uh, we're kind of going to look at some of the, the, the risers as we're moving closer and closer. Like we're only like three weeks away now from the draft. And uh, we just had a – every team just had their pro day. So we've got a lot to talk about, a lot of uh, risers and maybe not followers, but people that we're, we've got some questions on. And we're going to get into it all. But before we do, Travis, how are things going on your side of the world? Well, you're on the same side of the world that you know. <laughs> Inside the world, I think. Not not too far. Uh, I mean, in Colorado, that is kind of far from where I am at, over here in Tennessee. But uh, right. things are going well. Uh, just been hopping on a lot of uh, different shows to talk about NFL draft prospects, uh, talk about the Mojo stock market, uh, as that's just always uh, a blast. And you know, we got like a hundred different prospects uh, that are on there to be traded now, so lots to keep track of. And I'm adding like uh, the goal is you know a few more hundred <laughs> college football players on there uh, soon uh, to be traded, just like stocks. So that's going to be a lot of fun, but lots of work to be done uh, even after the NFL draft comes. But yeah, less than three weeks until the draft is here. So uh, it's time to, you know, really see where these players are going to go. And it's it's funny because there's just this time of year, like we have all the information now. You know, we, we've we've seen the, all the bowl, like the all-star circuit with the Shrine Bowl and the Hula Bowl, which, you know, no, nobody really cares about that one. But like the Senior Bowl, uh, yes. Combine, <laughs> Pro Days, everyone's done like, uh, you know, 15 versions of their own mock draft. Um, but still, even now, there's new information and new consensus right. players rising. And so, yeah, we're just going to talk through some, you know, late stage NFL draft risers and then some players that, you know, like we're questioning, I guess, where I don't know where their stock is on a few of these guys that we're, we're going to hit on today. So uh, I'm curious, like even pre-show, we were just, I think, in disagreement on where the stock is on a few of these guys. So we'll be, we'll be fun. So I'm, I'm glad to kind of hash this out. Yeah, it, it's going to be good. And, and like you said, we've seen so much now and a lot of what we've seen recently uh like you, you you watch these interviews with these guys and they're like yeah i mean 
I've been playing football my whole life. I had to learn how to run these drills so that I could maximize my speeds. And it's it's yeah. not playing football. It's running a three cone drill. <laughs> you know, like it is a different <laughs> skill set. It incorporates yeah. some of the stuff, but it's very different. So um, it's really easy for some people to get carried away, and and maybe other people like myself. Uh, maybe I don't put enough stock into it at, at times. But mm-hmm. I did just write a uh, a fairly long article about Rotoviz um, on their top fifty rookies coming in uh, for yeah. fantasy football, and I kind of wrote wrote like you know since since the combine. Uh, who's rising, who's fallen, who's staying the same, all that kind of stuff. And so I just went down one through 50. But you and I will kind of just kind of talk about some of the guys we like. And um, But before we do that, I was curious, like, what are your thoughts on pro days? I, I think there's, a again, a wide range of people's understanding of it. Like, do you think it makes that big of a difference? Should it make a difference? How does it impact your view of players? Yeah, I think it's just, unfortunately... Uh, it's hard to not be biased and and you know give special treatment where we we want to you know and just uh, guide things with our confirmation uh, confirmation bias this time of year. Uh, but I right. think there are exceptions to be made uh, where it makes sense. And um, uh, Matt Spencer, who did great work uh, for Rotoviz with a bunch of in depth dives with with some data stuff, um, looked into the the average difference in certain drills. Uh, from you know the, the times you would see at pro days and the combine, and the the gap has actually been narrowing in recent years between combine results and the average you know boost that you might see for, from pro day. Um, so you, you know back in the day it was like man you got to change it like point zero eight seconds on the forty or something like that, and then we got down to like oh it's you know it's still point zero five on the forty. But what he found is. Now it's more like because of the, the better technology available at like every single pro day, the difference is not vast. Like if you're going to make an adjustment at all, maybe two one hundreds, three one hundreds max, um, yeah, across the board. And yes, you'll see individuals that have uh, much uh, wider gaps than that. But um, in a few players that we're going to get to today um, are, are kind of situations where it made sense why a player ran a whole lot faster. Um, and we, we can get into that, but I, I don't necessarily care too much uh, about how, exactly how fast a player is. I'm just, I am a little bit concerned if they're still slow or they're still sure. uh, underweight or overweight or whatever it is at the pro day. Uh, because man, you've had a while at this point to get it right. A lot of these guys have been uh, working out with pro level uh, nutritionists and things like that for months and then working on their, their form and 40 and all their agility times. If you can't get it right by your pro day, that is a bit concerning but i'm not you know moving players up necessarily or drastically uh due to a pro day yeah no, that makes a lot of sense i uh, i kind of feel the same way i did think it was interesting that darnell washington george's tight end uh, he did grow a half an inch from the combine to the pro day so he <laughs> all of a sudden now is seven or six foot seven <laughs> you know and that's that always funny that. because like the arm links like whoever's doing the measuring actually vastly yeah. impacts how you know wide your reaches with your hand or like what like, that can actually measure and change um you know how because of how they measure like your your uh reach and whatnot with your vertical jump <laughs> so yeah. uh, that can change the result there by you know a couple inches or more um so you know don't don't the idea is that don't overreact to any one measurement or right. drill i guess but but yeah, there are still some some players that definitely helped their stock, or at least answered some questions 
about their athleticism, but, uh, and, and we'll get to, I'm really going to spend more, most time probably on what running backs, wide receivers, but, uh, quarterbacks just up top. It's been fun to just see the stocks change back and forth and rise, um, on Mojo just cause it, it seems like there's, there's become a very solid consensus, um, uh, on both Mojo and in the real world and in fantasy football world, uh, where these guys should go. Uh, although some people in the fantasy football space have moved Anthony Richardson into the quarterback one overall slot. It seems like uh, betting markets and real football world uh, has assumed that Richardson is at least the QB three and has surpassed Will Levis, but is still right. behind Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, of course, because Richardson, you know, broke the combine <laughs> and posted up the most ridiculous numbers we've ever seen from a quarterback. And so that, that helps. And then when uh, he was going toe to toe with 60 yard bombs, uh, you know, with CJ Stroud at the, the combine that was fun and levis has just looked you know he's looked okay but he has not helped his stock at all uh, throughout this friday season and uh frankly post- posting some weird selfies with his back muscles and all that's just uh, i don't know what to think about levis right now but it seems uh that large-scale mock draft data is actually dropping him down a bit despite really no new information surfacing it's like, it's almost as if they're just realizing that hey maybe he's not <laughs> the top uh, five pick that we have been touting him to be for months for no reason. Yeah, well, for a year for no reason, but yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, agree. seriously. And yeah. Um, I guess he's interviewed not great with teams as well, which is a big deal when it comes to NFL draft capital. And so mm-hmm. you also, you know, looking how the draft is going to play out, looking at where teams are picking. Yeah, if, if you start to slide, it could be a while. But um, I mean, between you and I, I would ra- I would rather have Hendon Hooker uh, than Will Levis. Uh, but that's just me. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think I think it's a, I think it's a well. I'm not surprised to see him fall, but I'm glad to see him fall because I think people were way too high on him. Yeah, it didn't way really make sense high. to have him that high. But yeah, Richardson continues to rise, and so it, there's uh, all this noise right now, as, as many are privy to, that he could be the third overall selection, and uh, that would be that would be crazy to see um, you know a player with his passing profile go that high. We literally have no precedent for that happening like even with the you know the josh allen's of the world that had like poor passing profiles and and decent mobility we've just never seen a player with this bad of a passing profile ever go this high so um the the sky is a limit situation you know like but the thing is trey lance had like a perfect season like it it was against bad competition but it was that that's what i mean it was that it was at such a different level of competition it was just it was it felt like a similar unknown or a similar, yeah. like, okay, we're expecting yeah, there to be a jump. Um, anyway, yeah, I yeah. interrupted you, sorry. No, you're good. But um, it, it just is interesting just to see how how teams really are are truly desperate right now to find that fix-it quarterback right away. And I mean, the Titans have been rumored to trade up to the three slot to try to get Richardson. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to just get used I'd to that. I'd rather just... Wait for Drake right. Mazing next year, baby. That's what we yeah, need to just, do. Yeah, dude, you don't have to fix it right now. I know that that's the, uh, you know, the NFL is not for long, uh, but. Uh, well, the just, nice thing, if you if you draft Will Levis and start him, you will have the number one overall pick again next year. So <laughs> maybe that's the strategy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But uh, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on quarterbacks. There's, there's massive um, confidence uh, just 
un- unearned confidence, I think, from most in general. Just like that, how this is how the quarterbacks are going to go, and and this happens every year. But let's let's talk about some running backs because this class. We uh, I was just talking about this with Pat Corain on his new uh, legendary upside show uh, about how we need. Uh, this in, injection of talent at the running back position, having just had poor classes in 2021 and 2022, and this massive group of running backs that are about to kind of age past their their peak, you know, like the 2017, right. 2018 classes who've been fantastic, they're on their way down. Like even the guys that we've been trusting for a long time, we're not sure if they're even going to produce much this year or, or where they're going to be this year. Like uh, Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook uh, or even guys like uh, McCaffrey. Like how long is he going to be elite? How long is, you know, half of the 2017 class that has been fantastic going to be elite? So we're going to need some new faces to step up and start producing. And we've seen a lot of these guys uh, come in with strong profiles, uh, but a few unanswered questions. And uh, But there have been a few who've really highlighted uh, where they could be good enough to be um, – a pro level running back athlete with their pro day or their combine or both. And uh, so just definitely want to dive into a few of those. Like you and I both got to talk about tank Bigsby first, right? Yes. <laughs> and and yep. you highlighted, you mentioned him in your, your article over at, at Rotoviz. Uh, and I'd love to get your thoughts. Cause I'm, I'm as an Auburn fan, I am a little bit too biased. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on him first. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it's safe to say here. I'm just pulling up pulling up my numbers here, uh, so I uh, I don't misspeak. But um, Tank to me has it was surprising when he stuck around at Auburn, given everything that was happening. Um, so to see, you know, we didn't get to see Auburn highlights every day on ESPN because they just weren't very relevant, right? So we didn't get to see a whole lot of Tank Bigsby, but he remained productive, you know. Um, one of the things I loved about Bigsby is that he, uh, he was really disappointed with his combine numbers. And so he decided to run again at his pro day. And so he went from a, a disappointing for him. Like he, he was not happy with his four, five, six at the combine. So uh, mm-hmm. he went out and ran a four, four, five, uh, yeah, a four, four, five at his pro day. Um, he also really wanted to highlight his receiving ability. So he spent a lot of time in drills and doing route running and going deep and, um, he he felt uh, he felt like Auburn's offensive scheme last year kind of prevented him from from showcasing that. So he went out and made a a point to do that. So he just had a really great pro day. Um, I think uh, I think the guys that we're going to talk about later that you know haven't recovered from their injuries um, maybe have some question marks around them. I think Tank Bigsby is going to surpass them and end up going a little bit higher maybe than some people thought. So for me, Tank Bigsby's a riser. But I mean, you're you love Auburn. Uh, I'd love to hear some of your <laughs> thoughts too. Sure. And I mean, I've been talking about him for, we have on here for quite some time, just because even coming in as a recruit, he was like a top three, four running back, you know, in, in his recruiting class and has been in that conversation to be in a top, you know, top three or four in this class uh, for several years, just hasn't really shown us that peak production. Um, you know, he has back-to-back 1100 yard seasons uh, at a program that's been a dumpster fire for the entire duration right. of his career. Uh, so that's impressive in and of itself, but you know, he doesn't have like the nerdy uh, efficiency marks that you'd like to see, I guess per se. Um, and outside of this last year where he caught, you know, 30 balls, he doesn't have extreme receiving production, uh, but he has sufficient size. He has uh, way more than sufficient speed. And even when he, he came in and ran like that four, five, five or four, 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 five, six, like that's average 
for NFL running backs, by the way. Like a lot of people think that, oh, if you don't run like a four, four, five, you're like slow. Uh, but that's just not the truth. Um, like some of the best running backs in, in the league uh, did not uh, run incredible 40 yard dash times anyway. But he, you know, answered, answered that question and uh, kind of fixed his time uh, there, the pro day. And even if you want to add something to it, it's still a, a, a good time uh, for running backs. Yeah. So. And it was something that like, he was upset about. Like he wanted to improve on his time, you know? Yeah, like, and we kind of knew um, he was a plus athlete even before. So it was kind of confusing yeah. that he, he wasn't faster. Yeah. So I, I thought, I thought he, I thought he had a great pro day and I know that some people, so uh, I know the, neither one of us were involved in the ranking process at Rotoviz, um, but they had kind of knocked him a little bit after the combine because like seeing his speed and just kind of where he kind of stands up historically with other people kind of with those speeds and those size and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, given this pro day number, would you adjust those numbers at all? Would you move him up? Would I move Tank Bigsby up like just my general rankings board? Because like because like specifically because of like if you dinged him because of his combine results, would oh, you yeah, yeah. elevate him now, or would you kind of just be like, eh? Um, you know, I I would just say it's more of a philosophical no, rankings question, I guess. Yeah, it's it's just no longer a concern. Uh, and what I'm really concerned with is how it would affect his draft capital if if a few more scouts were at his pro day and realized, okay, uh, I I no longer have any questions about his speed. Or they they checked that off their box, and I assume that there were probably some that did, and he may have moved you know a half round up, uh, based on just checking one more box. Yeah, that 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 makes sense to just um, philosophically in your head or up your actual rankings board, uh, give him a little nudge, mm-hmm. but not not a significant one. And and to me, he's still in the conversation to be a top five back in this class. I don't have him over anyone like B. John Robinson or or Jameer Gibbs, but um, or even Zach Charbonnet for that matter, but. He's certainly in the conversation um, after running back too, because there's several guys uh, that, that right. could move up the board and be in that conversation when it's all said and done. Because this class has a bunch of good good guys that are not necessarily elite, but are definitely very good talents that should stick in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another one of those guys, uh, Zach Evans, uh, running back Old Miss, he did not run at the combine because he kind of had a tweaked hamstring. So he didn't want to put out that number. So he didn't do any athletic testing at the combine and instead did he save it for his pro day. And uh, he had a really phenomenal day. Uh, Not only did he Mm -hmm. put up good numbers, but he looked really good. He looked strong, fast and elusive during the drills. Uh, But he put up a four, four, five, 40, a four, two, six, 20 yard shuttle. And then the three cone, he was a seven Oh eight. So above average and absolutely everything. And um, I think he really, uh, did himself well. I think if he would have been able to put up those numbers at the combine, uh, he, he'd be a lot higher on people's boards. Yeah, uh, I, I think so too. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, when, I don't know, was it two years ago, we only had the pro days to go off of. And so everyone was paying close attention to the pro days. I feel like in this, in this season, uh, two years removed from that reality, uh, not as many people are uh, paying attention to the the new bits of information that have been coming out via the pro days this year. Right. But, but yeah. yeah. But beyond that, I mean, there are a few other guys we definitely uh, have been in, intrigued by. I have for sure, and I was, you know, in, in checking out your piece at Rotoviz. I know you have been too. Um, Zach Evans is somebody like we liked for quite some time, and uh, you know, he he kind of uh, impressed at his uh, pro day, at least putting up average numbers in the agility, um, and uh, you know, 
decent marks in the jumps, but not not uh, wild, and, and running a decent uh, forty yard time as well. Uh, so I, I was definitely maybe not impressed, but just glad to see him put that together and and decide, hey, look, I, I need to prove myself one step further. There are people who have questions on my, uh, I think I, on my not mental status, but just like uh, background in terms His love of love of the game. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's it. I, I don't know what it is like. There's just been some questions with some uh, back and forth with his recruiting journey and the, the transfers and injury. And then, you know, last year, you know, not not being in the feature and losing work to a true freshman. There's just questions surrounding Evans, considering the talent that he is. Uh, but for him to do as well as he did at his pro day, it was, it was reassuring for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, like you have quite like we've talked about Zach Evans a lot. And I was one of the dudes who probably this time last year, I was like, I don't know, I've got questions about him. And you kind of reminded me like, oh, that 18, 19 year old kid. Of course he's got like, since he's been at, like, since he's been at uh, Ole Miss, he's been great. Like he has been dedicated. I think just him showing that he, like, he showed up ready to work for this pro day. Like it was an interview for him and he, he took advantage of that. And so to me, uh, we've all seen the skill set. We see the talent. I think it's unfair at this point to continue to question those off-field things because it was yeah. so long ago. And um, I think yeah. Zach Evans would be, man. I mean, of course, I don't want anyone drafting. Uh, my, I don't want my team drafting a running back in the first round. But if, <laughs> if my team would draft him any time after that, I'd be happy. Like I think he's a solid player. Yeah, and I think he's just one of those players that has uh, suffered because he doesn't have the perfect analytical profile because of. Um, the bumpy ride that he's been on. He, you know, went to TCU and wasn't immediately the feature there in his first year, but was, a min- was crazy efficient. I think like eight yards per touch or something, just bonkers there. And then in his, you know, sophomore season, looked like he was going to be the feature. It was like on his way to fifteen or sixteen hundred yards from scrimmage, easy that year, but went down halfway through it. Um, and so, you know, and then this year it, with Quinshawn Judkins, <laughs> who by the way might be a first round pick one day. Uh, yeah, at, at the running back position, and so there's there's reasons that people have questions. I get it, but um, it, it seems like he's moving in the right direction and proving himself yeah. where he needs to and when he needs to. So I would not be surprised if he and Tank are are uh, safely inside day, day two, um, even though a bunch of fan box uh, are having them a little bit later than that in some in some cases. But I mean, for me, and uh, I told you this before the show, like um, outside of like what you said with obviously Bijan and Jameer yeah. and then probably like a, a, a Charbonnet, which you know, I love to see because I've been excited about him ever yeah. since he moved over to UCLA. Um, but to me after them, like I, I'd rather have Zach Evans or Tank Bigsby over, a, you know, a, a, a Ty J Spears or a Kendra Miller, Dwayne McBride, Sean Tucker, some of these guys that we'll be talking about later, probably. Um, yeah, I just see so much more upside with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and there are a couple others before we get into some, you know, maybe names that are questionable, uh, that we just don't know what to do with. Um, Izzy Evanakanda, uh, from Pitt, uh, who's going to be 20 most of his rookie year and Chase Brown of Illinois, who was the third most productive running back in the nation last year from a, a yards per yards from scrimmage standpoint. Um, they should have probably been higher anyway, <laughs> given how things went uh, last year for them production-wise, um, especially Chase Brown and Izzy uh, at times. But uh, 
but yeah, it, it's been cool to see them uh, test uh, well. I know Chase Brown uh, at the combine had a really impressive balanced day there, uh, not, really not testing below average just about anywhere. And so um, really outdoing, I think, some expectations uh, for his athleticism. And then Izzy, you know, testing as, as fast as we thought he could be really. I mean, he's, he's kind of a sprinter. Maybe he has balance questions or whatever, uh, you know, but when, when there gets a, when, when there's a bunch of traffic in the hole, but uh, he, he ran like what a four, four, five or something at, uh, at his four, four, pro day? four, four, one. Whew. Yeah. Four, yeah. Four, so one, that's, yeah. yeah and that's, with a 41 inch moving. vertical too, 41 inch vertical yeah. as well. So really explosive player there. And I think rightfully moving up a little bit. I mean, we all saw that one game where he had like 270 rushing yards and a million touchdowns or whatever it was. Yeah, he seriously had a six touchdown head, game in the middle of the season. Yeah, it was like wild. Stu- yeah. So stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, I think that was against. I might have been against West Virginia too. The, it was rival, uh, anyway. Virginia Tech, I think. Uh, oh, okay. It was like that. Yeah, that's like three hundred yards. It was, it was insane. <laughs> yeah, it was still, it's like you do that against anybody at the FBS level, Power Five level. And uh, that is that is incredible work, Mister. <laughs> That's just nuts, man. Like, uh, so yeah, I, I love that he's super young. Uh, if he gets some capital to go with that age and athleticism, um, analytically speaking, he's going to look like a player that uh, is kind of a hit uh, to no brainer to be a hit projection. So I, I think he continues to rise, and I think more people are catching up to that. Um, yeah. But I think people should have been more on the front end there. I, I personally should have been more accepting of that idea uh, last year, just knowing uh, how Pitt was going to use him coming into the season. Uh, well, the yeah, especially at, uh, when the coach is like, we, yeah, we threw the ball too much last year. So uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's stop doing that. Let's go back to running. <laughs> and they did, um, man. He, he, he failed to eclipse a hundred rushing yards just twice last year. So Pitt definitely went back to running the ball and, and leaning on him hard. So it's good to see that. I think he'll be one of these guys that during the draft is a lot of people kind of tune in to see what, because a lot of NFL mm-hmm. fans love the draft yeah. and for many of them, they've never heard of these guys. And that will be yeah. one of those names that people will be like, wait, what? He's going this early <laughs> and you and I won't be surprised, yeah. but I think a no. lot of people will be. And I, I do like, I mean, Chase Brown is uh, is someone, I love his game. If you watch much Illinois football, which uh, I have to say I did, I did watch a lot of Illinois football. Um, and Chase Brown was a big reason why. I forget um, what's that other kid. No, I shouldn't say kid. The other man um, that's really good. Number one for them. Uh, he he. Juice Williams. Um, love him too. Anyway, Chase Brown uh, just does it all for that team. He is so explosive. Um, I think he's a really exceptional running back. And uh, the fact that he did have a good pro day um, to me, <laughs> this is why. Like. Um, if I'm drafting a running back, this is the type of guy I'm looking for. Like the Zach Evans, Chase Brown, people who um, put up great careers, have numbers to back it up. To me, there's just not much question around a guy like Chase Brown. He feels so safe to be able to be a productive back in the NFL. Um, I don't know. I think someone's going to get a screaming deal when they get him in you know, round four or five, wherever he ends up going. Where do you think he ends up going? I haven't really watched, uh, checked out a whole lot of mock drafts yet. I think all the guys that we're talking about, uh, the, the running backs uh, that we're talking about are, are all in the day two conversation. Uh, it's hard to say because there's like 15 guys that look like they could be in well, the day yeah. two conversation. Not all of them are going to get in there. No, there's like only, there's typically between like six and nine uh, running backs that go day two at this at this point in the modern NFL draft and how teams 
um, emphasize that position. So uh, I think, it, but it's also not a death sentence anymore if you go round four because of that, because teams are okay yeah. um, just taking them later. And so it's not necessarily a death sentence if you drop um, like it was even just a few years ago. But uh, I do yeah, feel I think, like, I think we've talked about this. I do feel like with running backs, especially we can, we need to shift our conversation from what round they're getting selected in and maybe talk more about they were the fifth running back taken, you know, to me that mm. might have a little bit more um, interest just seeing how, you know, the NFL has shifted to moving away from drafting running backs early, mm-hmm. except for, you know, Travis Etienne to my Jaguars. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if all four that we've talked about, uh, Bigsby, Evans, Evanaganda and Brown all sneak into uh, at least the back end of, of day two, uh, even though I'd love I think that. two or three uh, are currently being, you know, mocked on average, you know, somewhere in the low hundreds. Um, I could yeah. see them all going higher than that. But um, players that I'm not really sure of uh, and where they go, I think there's a few, a few names that, you know, they're not the slam dunk names in general anyway, but they're, they're names that certain people have ranked fairly high and have so throughout the process or even in years past. Um, you know, one that I feel like I, I just, I like the player, but I'm not as high on most, uh, who are really fans of him. Uh, Kendra Miller, um, like, what are you, what are your thoughts on him? Cause like, he's not, you know, he's still in recovery, I guess, uh, from his, uh, from his injury. And so he hasn't got testing and, but he was, he was really efficient at times and, uh, seemed to be a big play type of option for TCU even prior to this past year. Uh, so, like, where where do you have him ranked, like, in your own personal rankings right now? Okay, that's a great idea. I should do some personal rankings because <laughs> I don't have any. But yeah, he would uh, be well, behind all the guys. still reshuffling them, but, yeah, with yeah. all the new information. And he'd probably be behind all the guys we talked about. Um, maybe not Izzy, um, but I think I'd, he, he got injured in the playoff, and we haven't seen mm-hmm. him do anything since. Yeah, running back is already uh, kind of a difficult. If if you're not getting like early round capital, it's already kind of difficult to make a name for yourself. Um, let alone if you're starting off injured and you're not able to participate at 100 percent going into the season. Like, how are you going to win that job? Like, you're, now he's going to be relying on, on on good luck to be able to get the opportunity. Even so, mm-hmm. it just scares me too much. I love Kendra Miller though, the player, because. He made me so much money in DFS this last year because I just slaughtered it because he was so cheap to start the year. I just slaughtered him in and enjoyed the ride. Like he was so good, so productive, but the knee injury really makes me nervous. The fact that he hasn't been able to do much of anything um, is just a bad sign, unfortunately. So um, for me, I think uh, I hate saying this, but I feel like his best football might be behind him. Yeah. Um, I, I would believe that. I think that's that's true for a lot of prospects, <laughs> you know, that when they come into the right. process, especially the guys that go in the mid rounds. And I'm, I'm not sure what the ceiling is capital wise for Kendra. I, I don't see that. There, I don't think there's any outcome where he's around two back. I think there's some where he sneaks into round three. Uh, but with the injury, I don't know. I don't know if that, that would be kind of short short sighted for teams to be super worried, I guess, with him. Um, but if he doesn't go, you know, even inside round three or even like inside round four. I think I'd start to to worry, and um, he basically only had he basically had like an eight week window in his career where he was incredibly productive in a way that would say, "Hey, this guy is probably going to get some capital." And it was this year. I think it was week three or four to 
yeah, I, I may, maybe as a, as things approached like the middle of November or, or something like that, where he was, you know, he put up like six 100 plus yard games and he was showing efficiency. And uh, those are my favorite games of his and favorite work of his. And TCU's story was incredible this year. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really just, it'll mess you up to remember that Max Duggan actually came in second in the Heisman voting. Like it was just oh a, a wild season. Do you know who else is really good and put up really impressive numbers on limited work was DiMercato. They're DiMercato. They're yeah, backup. Yeah, Emory DiMercato. Yeah. 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 Like the way they play offense, just like people knock Tennessee and Baylor for how their wide receivers mm-hmm. get crazy numbers. Like I feel like the way TCU runs that ball, like from that spread formation. And I feel like, I don't know. I'm a little bit skeptical on Kendra Miller yeah. making it at the I next level. I am too. Um, I just, I don't know what to do. Especially <laughs> when there's so, there's so many other quality running backs in that range. I'd rather mm-hmm. take a, a, a Sean Tucker, you know, who, uh, who's probably going in that same kind of range, you know, like, uh, yeah. even, I, I don't know any of the guys we talked about ahead of him. Yeah. So it's just interesting. Cause he doesn't have like a, incredible receiving production and he doesn't have, uh, you know, the, the big body, uh, feature back size. And I'm not sure he's got like the crazy home run threat speed necessarily. He's fast, but he's not like, you know, Devin a chain fast. And so I'm not sure that he has, any one particular calling card to his game, where I'm like, man, that's really impressive difference making. That will, um, you know, immediately slot into some snaps uh, for an NFL team right away. And so maybe that's what I, I just I struggle to uh, project yeah. immediate success uh, for him. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to knock anyone too much or root against players necessarily at all. It's just I don't I don't know what to do because like the flashes for him are, are fantastic. Uh, but th- that's the that's the case with. I mean, again, like Anthony Richardson, like the flashes are fantastic, but I, I don't, I don't know about the consistency or, or, or if the, right. the whole profile fits. Um, well, beyond him, like there's a couple other guys. I mean, Dwayne McBride has seen a lot of love. Like even on, on Mojo, we've seen some interest on him. Um, maybe could, just because his price is palatable or, or what I don't know what the reason is, but it's it's interesting just because he uh, we don't have really uh, good testing on him. Uh, he came from UAB. Uh, so he's a G5 back. He's big enough, maybe fast enough, maybe athletic enough. We don't know. <laughs> um, and he's got good production at a very, very, very low level of Division One football in terms of uh, the competition that he faced on average. And um, But I've seen a lot of people really excited to rank him highly, and and, and I'm, not, I'm not necessarily one of those people. So uh, have you found yourself being high on, on McBride at all uh, throughout this process, or are you questioning him as well? No, I'm, I'm down on him as well, and, and some of it is for the same reason. He's still got this hamstring injury that's keeping him from working out. Now He, he said he's going to hold a private workout uh, yeah. before the draft where he's going to have some people there. But, I mean, I don't know. Is that enough uh, to answer questions? Like, it's it's not like we're talking – like, it's not – I don't want to be short-sighted when I talk about injuries here, but we're not talking about B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. You know, we're not talking about – prospects that tick every other box and they happen to be injured like you said Mm -hmm. uh, mcbride played at uab (laughs) you know like there are all other questions that we have around him anyway so then when you add the injury um i don't know to me he's someone that i'm fading for now if he ends up getting draft capital or or and or a a good uh, location sure maybe we can start talking about him uh, but i think it's too early right now i'm i'm kind of fading him for the moment 
Yeah, and it's just it's just odd because he, he has five total receptions for his entire college career as well. So he's an absolute zero in that regard. So the floor, I guess, with him is rather low unless he just all of a sudden learns how to do that. And so I, I don't see a scenario where he, he's anything more than like a two-down option. And so the ceiling is, is, I don't know, like prime Jeremy Hill if everything goes perfectly, I, I don't know. Like, and Jeremy Hill was hot, good for like a, a season, I, I guess. A year and a half, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like so maybe that's the, the best case. But to me, he's probably a day three guy. And so um, I, I don't know. It's just another guy. I don't, I don't necessarily get it, uh, despite him kind of rising, I guess, in, in some mock drafts here and there. And uh, I see more and more people writing him up as – as a sleeper, but I think at this at this point, people are just reaching to find a sleeper to write about. People just <laughs> so yeah, they want something to be different. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably. But uh, and then a couple of guys that are intriguing to me, like Eric Gray, because like remember what were what were people taking Eric Gray? I know you and I were not doing this, but I think we, we should rub it in West Bay's face uh, for sure. And uh, he was like RB two or really, three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember listening to some shows coming into the season. I think ahead of the twenty twenty one season. Uh, and they were, uh, I think it was maybe something on the like Pro Football Focuses Network or something. And not to knock them, they do great work. But uh, one of the the co-hosts was like putting Eric Gray as like, man, I think he's my running back one for next year's NFL draft. And I was like, man, that's really aggressive. I know he was decent at Tennessee. This is like right before he was coming into Oklahoma uh, after transferring. And he does a lot of things great. But man, it's just, I don't, I don't necessarily see that. And he didn't necessarily prove that, that he has sufficient athleticism to be um, a feature and, you know, didn't answer any questions, I guess, <laughs> uh, throughout this draft season. Yeah, no, I, I don't see it either. And then he, on his pro day, he, he put up a, a four six two forty seven two five cone in a four two shuttle. Nothing that's good. <laughs> I mean, it's not terrible, but it, when you're already kind of, uh, facing an uphill battle <laughs> trying to answer all these questions. Like why couldn't you get uh, a whole lot of playing time at Oklahoma? <laughs> like um, th- those questions don't, don't help. He, I actually have him as his, his, his stock is, is kind of moving in the wrong direction, kind of going downhill uh, again. I think he has the type of player that could like, he has the capabilities. It looks like that he could be successful if everything broke right for him. But I just, yeah everything has to break right for him. And that just doesn't happen to everyone. So, um, no, I, I'm not, I'm not too optimistic on Eric Gray. Yeah. I, I want to be higher on him. Cause like he had a, a good final season and I did like him at some point. I, I begrudgingly did move him up boards just based on, um, you know, where I knew I had to take him <laughs> in like Debbie fantasy leagues, uh, two years ago. But, uh, you know, when he only, you know, he had less than like a hundred total touches, I think behind, um, Oh my gosh! For the three-time thousand-yard rusher, or whatever for Oklahoma. Why am I? He was an undrafted free agent. Uh, oh yeah, Kennedy he was Brooks. Boy Kennedy too. Brooks. Yes, Kennedy yeah, Brooks. I well, he was Kennedy just fun, Brooks. like because it was like, man, we were really low on him, and he just tested poorly. He was not really an athlete, and so he didn't get drafted. You know, washed out with the Eagles or whatever. But um, yeah, Eric Gray is just yeah confusing to me. I guess that's where that's where it is because I want to be higher on them because like I. I liked him two or three years ago, but I think we just have to adjust to the new, new information and say that he's probably a day three back at this point. So, uh, and then another guy that I think, uh, even in, like coming into the senior bowl, many thought he was maybe the best uh, running back at the senior bowl, uh, maybe because of the helmet he wore. Uh, but Kenny McIntosh, um, he did not help himself 
uh, with the combine. What was his forty? It was it was like four six. Was it four six six or something? It was it was. It bad. was a four six two, and so he reran it at his pro day and ran a four seven. Not great, Bob. That's not <laughs> that's not, <laughs> not, not not what you want to see. I mean, I I love that he uh, caught like over forty passes for Georgia because. Well, Georgia, how they distribute targets is weird. It's like a bunch of Brock Bowers are tight end, who that makes sense. Uh, some to some wide receivers, not enough to Darnell Washington, and like 40-plus passes to their lead running back. Um, it's just an, an interesting – I'm not critiquing them because, you know, they've won two national championships. But it's just interesting how they yeah. uh, distribute targets. Uh, fun fact, though, uh, with Kenny McIntosh, he went to the same high school uh, as uh, Zay Flowers. Uh, they were actually high school football teammates, just one year apart. That's crazy. Or no, actually, no, wait, no, I mean, no, they were no, they were the same class. That's right, because they're both they're both fourth years. So yeah, they were they were high school football teammates. Hopefully, they got their quarterback recruited too. Because how would you <laughs> they, they not be have. productive with those two guys <laughs> uh, in high school? Right? Like, yeah, even, yeah. But yeah, it, it was a good season for him. Uh, Thirteen hundred plus receiving, or not receiving yards, yards from scrimmage. I get in 15, 15 games. Great season for a great team. But I think he's just helped out by his helmet at this point. I think he's probably a day three back as well. I think that would make sense. I think that's what he should be. Um, you want to head over to a break and then uh, talk about some wide receivers? Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, we are back. We are going to talk about some wide receivers, uh, some some players kind of moving uh where's who's someone that you kind of want to start with i mean you just mentioned zay flowers uh maybe we talk about him maybe we start there <laughs> yeah uh talk about some high, you know his high school teammate already and, and kenny mcintosh uh, might as well talk about zay flowers who continues to rise and continues to get more and more comes to a fantastic successful nfl players like antonio brown uh before the wheels fell off there mentally unfortunately for him um but Antonio Brown is, is a high, high, high level comp, obviously. Uh, and in comping anyone to him and expecting the same results uh, is overly optimistic, to say the least. But uh, just stylistically, I just like how he plays. And uh, I've, I've talked about him on a bunch of shows here recently. He just kind of looks like AB at times. Like he's a 
a monster after the catch. He uh, plays angry at the catch point. Um, he just throttles up and down with just effortless grace. That it's just fun to watch. He's just a fun player to watch and root for. And then he's good enough in every analytical department. And then he tests more than fine throughout this uh, process athletically. And so, yeah, th- there's a reason he continues to rise up the board. And uh, at this point, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the second wide receiver taken, like, given how all the buzz is, is going. Not, not necessarily that he absolutely deserves that. I think he's uh, moving up my own rankings. Uh, I think as – and it's so funny, like, how this works. Like, I want to rank, rank somebody higher. Like, months, you know, you know, a year ago, and I'm like, ah, I just don't know if the NFL is going to like him. I can't really rank him that high. And then, like, late stage, like, you know, I might have him higher than consensus for – six months to a year um, and yeah. then consensus comes around and then exceeds any level of my optimism that I ever had in the first place. Yeah, so now you're I'm the like, low guy. Oh, on him. Oh, no, no, no. Like how this happened? Like what happened here? Um, <laughs> yeah. And said so this yeah. every year this happens, but it's fun to see just cause he like, going from, um, you know, and actually he played a really solid, uh, it's like a university prep type school in Florida, but going to, from there to, Boston College, which is not exactly a an NFL pop, uh, pipeline, <laughs> no, uh, and still finding his way into round one discussion is 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 fantastic, and he continues to rise. I don't know, like I just don't know what the ceiling is because, like, two days ago or maybe, yeah, just a couple of days ago, he was with the Patriots, um, you know, being shown around there, and it's like they have picked fourteen, dude. Like that, yeah. like could he go there? Like that would be wild um, if if he was going going that early after. Uh, being a relative, I mean, I, I guess even in November, it was like, you know, he might go day two, maybe. Like, that was the buzz mm-hmm. to see where he is now. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And he put, he had an absolutely fantastic pro day in front of like, you know, NFL scouts and executives. He put on a show. Like, he looked really good. Uh, everyone walked away being like, oh, yeah, he could go inside the top 20, you know? So yeah. there's definitely like the hype is real. And it is funny, like when people even start getting, and that's how the, that's how the machine works. You know, like once you get high on someone, someone's got to be the guy who has them ranked number one overall, you know, like <laughs> somebody so. has to just, just do it just go for it, you know, just go crazy. Yeah. But he, he does continue to climb uh, for me as well. Uh, so yeah, it'll be fun to see where he, where he ends up. And it is interesting too, that he decided to stick around in Boston college. I don't know what that says about the guy, but like he could have transferred and started absolutely anywhere, you know? So maybe not Ohio state, but, uh, he could have transferred anywhere else and started immediately. So, uh, pretty, pretty impressive player there. Uh, another guy that you kind of got moving up, um, is Marvin Mims. He had a really great combine. He followed it up with a really nice pro day as well. Um, he interviewed really, really well. He spent his pro day really showing his uh, versatility and being able to run routes from both inside and out. Um, he wanted to show what he can do from the slot, what he can do from um, the outsides as well. So uh, moving up boards, uh, I think uh, deservedly so, uh, even though you know I, this is one of those guys that I used to be really, really high on. Then I kind of soured on a little, and uh, now everyone else is really high on him. So I don't know what, what, what to think about Marvin Mims. <laughs> Where are you with him? I've talked about him on a lot here recently on uh, other shows that I've guested on. And he's just one of those guys who keeps dropping because he's just been around forever and, and been a name we've known for a long time. And um, 
you know, we want to shove other people over him. But realistically, there's there's an argument to be made that he should be a top five wide receiver in the class, uh, given what we know about him. And it's funny, like if I've done a lot of research, uh, large sample like data projects and and just some anecdotal like bending together of, of players just to see like what they have in common. And like what I found is like with with from recruiting onto uh, the pros, like there's this massive gap where all this stuff happens for all these players, but there's like two groups that find success and end up on rosters anyway, regardless of what any of our metrics say. Like there's one group that uh, I, I like to call them pipeline kids, pipeline prospects, like that they, like from the middle of high school, like they're transferring like high schools to make sure they're at a high enough level of play in high school to get the right kind of offers to go to the right kind of college to go to the right, you know, it's just, it's a process. And they'll go to all the, the different camps and they'll be on seven, seven versus seven teams for like five plus years in some cases, you know, like for example, um, uh, like Jamar Chase and, uh, and Devontae Smith, I think like those, those two guys, like they were on the same like seven V seven squad for a while like and and it's no no wonder i can't imagine trying to stop them but like it's no wonder like how long these kids have been in the pipeline that they're that they're basically pros by the time they get to college and marvin mims wasn't necessarily that kind of pipeline kid but he was in that conversation and beyond the pipeline kids there's another group that like comes from like nothing and they're just trying to like get to the next like they're just trying to like make it or just completely like they they don't like they don't like the life that they have waiting for them if they don't make it so they push through anyway and they don't have anybody helping them out um and that those type of those two types like just make it anyway and it's and it's been fun to kind of study like just circumstantial stuff uh, i know it's anecdotal but it's just interesting um like to see the type of especially at you know skill positions like like wide receiver like the type of player uh, that just makes it through. But, but Mims is a kid that I, I would say is a pipeline kid because he was, he played for a really top, uh, a top, not, not, not necessarily elite program in, in Texas, but uh, he was, he played for a good program and set like national records for production in high school. Like he had, I, I think it was, it was something stupid. It was like 2,600 receiving yards or something uh, in a year uh, in high school. <laughs> and, uh, and so we've known for a long time, he was going to be special. He came in as a top 100 prospect has three impressive seasons at Oklahoma and and then wow's at the combine and we're like, Oh, maybe he'll be good in the NFL. And like, we, yeah. we, we should have seen this coming for years now that he's, he's just going to stick and, and succeed. Yeah. And we, we did you like, we've talked about him. I, I think it's uh, it, it makes sense to see him here. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, uh, it is interesting to hear the, 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 that anecdotal stuff because they're, there is something to that too, you know, like there is something to being a five-star recruit because you've been working on it your whole life. Um, Not just, not just from a making sure you're playing well, but also making sure you're going to the right schools and meeting the right Mm -hmm. people and all that kind of stuff. Cause that that part of it is, uh, is really important as well. Well, I mean, Zay, Um, Zay even is a pipeline kid. Like the the school, the prep school he went to, like they've, they've got a handful of other NFL players, Um, you know, like even randoms that, yeah, that don't, you know, they're not elite NFL players. Like they, they half of them probably went to IMG Academy. You know, it's just, it's funny to see mm-hmm. yeah. how many of these pipeline kids make it through. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, and, and, and the other two guys that we kind of are, are rising on who um, both coming off for different reasons, they, they've been kind of low lately here, but 
uh, Jadon Hazelwood and Rakeem Jarrett, also guys, like also pipeline type guys that went to big schools yeah. and had huge recruiting numbers. Like, wasn't weren't they both like top five wide receivers in their class? Yeah, Jaden Hazelwood, who's been rising due to his incredible uh, pro day. I don't know how many people even realize that, but he had a solid showing. Yeah, he was a five star. He was the number. He was above Garrett Wilson in their recruiting so class. Rakeem Jarrett was a Debo Samuel comp. Like he was a five star. Uh, decided to go to Maryland. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they're not. We shouldn't be surprised if these guys work out um, because they have been fantastic. Like they've been some of the best of the best. Like to just get a five star rating is just wow. Like you're in the top, you know, point zero zero one percent or whatever of your uh, class just to be where they are. And so uh, it's cool to see them succeed throughout the the combine process a little bit and hopefully get some decent draft capital. But uh, I know you, yeah. you've kind of been on high, maybe higher on Hazelwood than even I have for a while. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't love the transfer to Arkansas, but it kind of worked out. It didn't work out as maybe great as we hoped. And then um, apparently he was not feeling great when he had to run the uh, 40 at the combine, put up a pretty mm-hmm. disappointing 4-6 uh, yeah. number. Yeah. Um, and kind of lost any esteem, but then at his pro day put up a four four seven, um, and then also went out and um, did well in the offensive uh, or route running drills, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, I think I don't know if he's going to get the capital, but just his size and strength and speed, he could be a very very productive player in the NFL, um, and, and someone that I definitely uh, like. I wrote him in this piece, even though I was only doing the top 50 rookies and, and wrote of his rankings. He's not within the top 50, but I wrote about him anyway, yeah. because I think he should be. <laughs> yeah. And in a class that doesn't have a bunch of bigger bodied wide receivers, he's 6'3", 217. Uh, so yeah, yeah it's intriguing for sure. And, and so I'm glad you mentioned him just because he's been a, a Debbie darling for, I don't know, several years. Um, right. But, you know, and then, but, and then to mention Rakeem Jarrett, I just, Talked about him for a good good bit on a show last night, even <laughs> just because he's oh, nice. super fun. I love his I love his style of play. Like he's just got that attitude. He wears a hoodie sometimes under his pads. Like he's just got you know he's got that going <laughs> you on. You love that, and I do, I that. do. It's it's uh, it, it, it's it's a it's a weird bias, but it's you know it looks cool. So <laughs> yeah, and, but, and he, uh, he but, had a he had a solid um, combine too. He he ran a four four four. Uh, which is yeah, you know, that's what you need to do, you know, like yeah. over ten foot broad, so. you know, just barely above average vert, and so, um, but you know, those kind of guys that just are barely above average, um, and they kind of get lost when there's like forty plus receivers at the combine, <laughs> but yeah, he very well could still get mid round capital and succeed and be, you know, everyone's favorite, uh, you know, Gabe Davis type. <laughs> <laughs> here right. in a couple of years that like, I don't know how we weren't hyping him up more in the process or whatever uh, that it is. And he gets round, round four capital and then works out anyway. And Maryland has a couple recent hits uh, in, in uh, recent years that, you know, were higher. Uh, well, at least D- Diggs was a high pedigree guy out of Maryland that ended up right. working out uh, with later round capital. Moore wasn't as high pedigree, but had the draft capital. Uh, now we got Rakeem Jarrett who could uh, succeed as well. And there's two other Maryland wide receivers that were at the combine too, who could get some capital, but yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I'm highest on on Jared of, of that crew. But beyond uh, that crew, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time knocking the wide receivers, but I am at least questionable on a few guys, um, just because mm-hmm. I've had so many um, so many questions uh, on Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman because of the offense they play in. 
but more questions on Hyatt specifically than Tillman, which I find that to be interesting. Um, and I think as more people are really digging into how Dalen Hyatt has been deployed, there are more people that have questions about how, how does that translate to the pros? Like even some of the big, bigger name podcasts this week were talking about the offense and the lack of success out of that Baylor slash Bryles slash Vieira and shoot system, whatever you want to call it, that they, uh, and it is different than than like the RG three version of the offense that was done a decade ago, but it's it's still not necessarily translatable for the wide receiver play uh, to the pros. So um, I, I don't know. Do you, do you have big concerns with with Hyatt and and uh, his uh, production profile? I don't I don't care as much that oh he took until his junior year to break out. Whatever. Like why didn't he do before? I, that's that's such a a lazy viewpoint. And and he was already a big deal. We knew about him like especially. As a sophomore, like he was supposed to break out then, but he didn't quite just yet. But then he exploded as a junior. Like, are there concerns that you have? I guess I'm talking to him, but <laughs> on on high. No, no, Tillman. no. Um, I mean Tillman, to me, never looked healthy when he came back. Um, yeah. And he didn't. He didn't look the same. I should say. So yeah. I've got a little bit of concern about him, but he's going so late that it's, or will likely go so late that it's it's not as big of a deal. Hyatt, just seeing him in like, you know, the top eight, like the wide receiver uh, two or three for a lot of people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, right after Jackson Smith and Jordan Addison, like, I don't know, like the way Tennessee plays where Hyatt's like hugging the sideline, you know, and we're three three yards off the line of scrimmage so you can get a full head uh, steam before someone checks him and uh, kind of don't know how that translates to the NFL. So um, it's just enough where I would put um, a guy like say flowers ahead of him. Um, yeah. So I don't care so much. Like I'm not like, I don't think Jalen Hyatt can make it in the NFL. I just don't think I'm as high on him as consensus. And so yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. So that's yeah. where my questions are on him. Yeah. And Tillman, I think we have questions about his speed. I do at least like, I mean, like we talked about a pre-show, like he ran, what did he run at his pro day again? It was like four, like about four, six. Let me look here. Uh, four or five. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's not, not great, not bad for a bigger body wide receiver, but, um, you know, he, he, he wins at the, uh, the catch point. Like he's one of the best, uh, kind of ball skills guys in the classes. Like that, that's one of the things I really love about him. That's, that's how he's won on some deeper balls. And, um, when he started to emerge, it wasn't necessarily the separation uh, that uh, he was getting that made him interesting. It was just that, like even when he wouldn't, he would win, and so it was a lot of fun. But uh, that we've seen a lot of that that type of prospect fail in the NFL in recent years because uh, you need to be able to create your own separation in uh, today's yeah. game. And uh, so yeah, I think that's that's a bit concerning for me. And no one, it seems like all the questions are around Hyatt's usage. And, and Tillman, and Tillman's in the same offense. His role is different in that right. offense, but he's still, and he's maybe a little bit more complete because he's, you know, two or three years older. Uh, but man, like it took him like till year four, like halfway through his fourth year to do anything at all. Uh, and when he did, it was impressive against some elite competition. But man, um, we've seen that happen before with the later breakouts and and uh, lots of uh, failures with the big bodies and the later breakouts. And so there, there are definitely questions uh, for the people that want to put him up into like the more certain hit category. I think that's a bit, a bit dangerous uh, to be overly confident in, in his particular archetype in today's NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And with Jalen Hyatt too, I think the fact that he had his huge game against Alabama um, yeah. is giving him a boost as well. 
Um, but like Alabama's defense was broken the same way for every one of those plays, you know, he's not going to get that open in the NFL. I really don't think you see this, like those huge lapses in, in, in defensive coverage where the safety forgets that he has the, 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 the deep half, you know? So, um, so I don't know. What about, what about, what about Keisha Boutte? He was a guy who uh, was a wide receiver one or two in this class for a long time from a Debbie perspective. And now he is uh, dropping, dropping, dropping and uh, did not have a great combine. Um, I mean, a four or five, not terrible, uh, but not great. Uh, did not deci- decided not to participate um, in any of the athletic testing at the, uh, at his pro day. So um, kind of sticking with that, that four or five. Oh no, he did run the cone. He ran the three cone at seven Oh eight at his pro day. But other than that, he didn't do anything else. What are your thoughts? Yeah, on it's, it's funny that, I mean, like a lot of people who um, have just kind of been tuning in this spring and, uh, you know, saw him not really wow at the combine and uh, understand that his, his profile was less than perfect for sure in the last couple seasons and uh, that he had some just frankly odd off-field stuff that we don't even need to get into. Um, they look at his profile and they're like, oh, um, I think I'll take anybody else. <laughs> yeah. But like to me... Uh, I I don't I don't get that necessarily that that level of aversion to uh, Keishon Boutte because I I saw what he did uh, way back when he was a true freshman showing up to LSU uh, at the time as a five star and in his like true freshman season uh, barely just barely edging out every other receiver in production at age eighteen um, yeah it wasn't a, a huge year for anyone in that uh, particular season it was the year uh, obviously after Joe Burrow left that offense. But uh, he he wowed from day one, uh, came in and was out, out producing Terrace Marshall at times, uh, who ended up being a, a, a round uh, or day two pick rather, and and so Keishon was incredible. And uh, his true sophomore year, he was on on pace to be like forty percent of the offense and have a massive year. And then he went down with injury, uh, ended up having to have two ankle surgeries, and was not the same player this past year. It was out produced right. by true sophomore Malik Neighbors. Uh, who should be good in his own right should be probably you know top five ish uh, wide receiver next year, um, perhaps if he can keep uh, things straight as well uh, off field incident with him recently. But um, uh, overall, like he still has the pedigree, he still had the upside. If he gets back to the pre injury version of Keishon Boutte, uh, he could be very good. Uh, but uh, that right now he's just kind of like in this in between limbo of like he didn't test well. He's maybe not the athlete we thought. Hasn't looked like himself in a couple of years. Does that profile, you know, intrigue yeah. me that much? And and so I have questions, I guess, with him. But want to want to root for him. But um, just I, I guess it, I don't know what to do with him. Just because I think that that shows up everywhere because the mock drafts data seems to be fading him a little bit even now. Uh, so I don't even know what round he would go in at this point. Yeah, me either. I feel like this uh, kind of like the way you were talking about. Um, I forget who, which one it was maybe. Oh yeah. It was a flowers. And you were saying like, you're really high and then everyone kind of caught up and then even surpassed. I was always kind of low on Boutte and like, I was always a low guy on Keishon. And now I feel like the hate has gone too far <laughs> a little bit. Um, Cause he's still, like you said, he did still show us what he is capable of. So yeah. Um, yeah. Super exactly. interesting. You want to, uh, you want to finish off the show talking a little bit about tight ends. I think just uh, maybe yeah. a couple of guys, uh, a riser or two. Yeah, maybe just uh, just a couple names, like uh, one that has come up as in terms of a question, not inside anybody's top five, but like P. 
people have questions about him because of how he tested at the combine. Zach Koontz uh, from Old Dominion. Uh, I mean, he he was he shouldn't have surprised us. I mean, he's like Old Dominion, yes, but he transferred there from Penn State after right. ha- having been a you know blue blue blood type recruit in the process. We already knew he was incredibly athletic. The only reason he went to Old Dominion was because he was following his offensive coordinator, who ended up being the head coach there. Uh, and he wasn't perfectly healthy throughout his career, but when he was, he was immensely productive. And so, man, I, I am intrigued by Kuntz, and I, he is rising slightly up mock draft boards since his incredible combine. But I'm, I am surprised that he's not rising uh, more, I guess. Me too. Me too. He's someone that I'm excited about. And I think Sam Laporta is getting a lot of uh, buzz right now. He's really climbing. And I think yes, he, he is. So. And, and for good measure. For good measure. But, he's maybe, good. but maybe, maybe more. I know it's Iowa, and I know that they never they're never productive, and then they're always good, <laughs> like Kittle and Pant. Yeah. But man, dude, six hundred uh, yards like, though, back to back seasons for. Uh, I mean, like even when they're putting up no production, like yeah, he was like the only thing that was working, I guess. So that's true. Uh, yeah. But I do like Kuntz, and he's six seven. Uh, he he came down with this crazy catch in his pro day, crazy one handed catch. It looked yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. So he he, he like. Everyone was like, "Ooh!" Like you could hear it. Like if you watch the video, like <laughs> yeah. So it was it was quite fun. Darnell Washington and one of those two. Um, although mm-hmm. Washington's foot was out of bounds, but um, there's so many good tight ends in this class. I think everyone's talking about it. Um, yeah. So I think to me, like uh, the one guy that I'm gonna fully fade in this tight end class, and I think this might be a little hot takey, um, but I I want absolutely zero shares at this point of um, Kincaid. Um, not because no, I'll just say why, uh, the injury situation has me so nervous. He has not been able to do anything, um, since, since going down and he already kind of only got his chance because, uh, Kuthi or Kuth, however you say his name, um, yeah. went out. So I'm just really nervous. And when there's such a deep class of tight ends, like why take the risk? with Dalton Kincaid. Maybe this is super short-sighted, but there's just so many good options out there. I'm just yeah. nervous that um, this back injury, uh, has, a lot of people have, have um, not been able to produce like they wanted to because of back injuries. They're really hard to uh, to overcome. Yeah, and, and Kincaid is he's interesting because uh, I think this, this all began when, um, I mean, he was already, like, there were a lot of guys who were like, okay, these are, there's a bunch of day two tight ends. Uh, maybe in January, February, but um, when, uh, but when I, I think Daniel Jeremiah was the first one who like put him maybe tenth or eleventh on his big board overall, and then people are like, wait, maybe That's I should not- take a second look, and then and then ever since then he'd spent a me- like meteoric rise, and everyone's like, oh yeah, Dalton Kincaid tied in one, and um, and it does seem a little bit like, wait, we we had all the information, why did this all of a sudden happen? Um, it's because I bought some Mojo stock in Dalton Kincaid, and then I <laughs> I, I tipped okay. Daniel Jeremiah. I, I gave him a couple thousand dollars to write him up nicely so we can get some steam on Kincaid. That's what happened. <laughs> That's my conspiracy ah. theory. No, but to me, like Michael Mayer is is the clear cut number one, and then there's yeah. a huge group of potentially could be the number two tight end in this class, and I don't think that any one of them stands out head and shoulders above the other. So just give me anyone but him and give me one of the last ones, maybe. Like, Yeah, and, it, and that 
It's just yeah, interesting. I, that I, is definitely that is a, that is a take because like right now the the consensus the masses would be angry at you for that take probably because <laughs> like, yeah, like how could you be, dare uh, not have Kincaid high? But because I'd be just as happy with Koontz or um, with even Luke Musgrave, you know, from Oregon State. Like there's so many guys that are going to go later that um, are healthy and also um, athletic and productive. Uh, considering yeah. and Luke Musgrave wasn't the most productive, but you know what I mean, like you can see how they could be um, productive and, and efficient right off the bat where I don't yeah. know how long people are going to have to wait for Kincaid to get healthy. Yeah. Even in like the last day, there's been some buzz about him, like clearing at least the bare minimum uh, physical requirements or whatever. But uh, yeah, we, we're not going to get any testing from him in the front end, which is a, a bit concerning, I guess, or at least annoying because <laughs> we'd love to yeah. see uh, how a guy who didn't really play high school football, uh, outside of like a year and then went the FCS route and then played for a program that uh, Utah doesn't necessarily have the most elite athletes in general, typically uh, uh, like, like at all coming out of that program. Um, and so it's just, it's, it is interesting to me how, how the confidence has, has shifted over the, the past few months. He had a great year. I mean, like posting like over 800 receiving yards and like eight, I think eight, eight touchdowns. And, but it's just kind of he stumbled into that opportunity because the, the year prior, he wasn't even the most t- productive tight end on his own team. Like you mentioned, Brent Cuthie was the guy. Like he had 50 catches or so to Dalton Kincaid's 35 or 36 or something like that in the year prior. And then because Cuthie was down and they had like no receivers to throw to, they're yeah. just like, look, Kincaid, even when you're covered, we're going to throw you the ball because Rising trusted him. And that's cool. And that gave him tons of opportunity to make contested catches. Uh, and so he's got some really wild highlight plays. Um, but, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's just like this slam dunk pick, like uh, some people want to make him out to be. And so, yeah, I, it, despite him being a fast riser for months now, I'm a bit concerned now that we've reached a level of, of, uh, no return <laughs> with him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have zero shares. I already know that. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. I'll feel, that's I'll feel right. good about that. And, uh, I won't root against him. I'll just root for Zach Koontz. How about that? That's okay. But overall, it is a really – like you said, it's a fantastic, deep uh, tight end class. We're, we're pumped about it. We really do because the tight end position, it, it needs an injection of talent just like the – well, the entire league does at, at skill position players still. Maybe not wide receiver, but definitely tight end, definitely running back. And so, yeah, there's there's fun – tons of fun players. And uh, this, this this was fun just talking through some of the risers and and some players we have questions on. Uh, in, in the late stages of NFL draft season. It's hard to believe it's less than three weeks away, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be back here um, again soon. That's that's all the time we have on this episode. But uh, Stefan, uh, anything else you have coming up on uh, Rotoviz you want to highlight before we before we go? Um, I'm probably going to – I'm definitely going to have an article on Will Levis and why he's a full fade and no one should uh, be drafting him. Other than that, I don't know yet. <laughs> um, I am going uh, nice. to be going to the spring game, I believe. Uh, the CU spring game to see prime. Oh, I'll nice. be writing up some stuff on that. So I uh, talk about cool. um, kind of use that as an opportunity to write about some college players that, uh, that we're excited about that are kind of rising um, as we uh, get ready for spring practices. And then the, the season is, is right around the corner. Yeah, man, it's going to be a blast. And I've got a bunch of work to do still on, on NFL draft, just getting, getting ready to, to make sure that the uh, market uh, at Mojo, it just is, is a, a bunch of fun for users to in, in, engage with. And um, 
and then I've got to add a bunch of more uh, college players on there. So be look, looking for that here soon. But you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find Stefan at Stefan Leco on Twitter. Uh, but you guys uh, take care. Uh, and we'll see you next time on another College to Camping podcast. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.